Hello, welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. So glad you joined me. And if this is your first time joining, here we read the scriptures together. We make sure we understand what we're reading and then we make applications to our lives. And I post a new video by Wednesday of every week. Uh, well, today I want to just make sure we're uh, in step and uh, got the whole picture and that we're not confused with where we are. <clears throat> so just to catch us up a little bit, to start from the beginning, to remember that there's a master plan going on here. Things are not just happening just haphazardly, but God has a master plan. And uh, so starting with Adam and Eve uh, in, in the Old Testament, they, um, they sinned, were kicked out of the garden. And after they were sinned and kicked out of the garden, sin into the world, all of us are born under sin because of what Adam and Eve did. So that's part of uh, the story that that's going to be developed for God to create a master plan to redeem us because of the sin that was created when Adam and Eve fell. Uh, no fault of our own. Just being born, we're born into sin. And then uh, one of the other major things that happened in the Bible, you get to after Adam and Eve, you come to Noah. <clears throat> and now on Noah's day, God was tired of the evil. Sin had taken its toll. The people were so evil that God said, you know what? I'm going to destroy mankind. I'm just going to wipe out everything that I did. I'm going to get rid of them. Everybody but Noah and his three sons and their wives and the animals that are going to be on the boat. That's it. And that's what happened. God wiped out the rest of creation because they were evil. But even after Noah came off the boat, God still said, you know, the people will always have evil intents. God knew that nothing had changed, but he decided, God decided that he would never destroy the earth by a great flood like that again. And I mean a major flood. You know, we still have floods today, but we don't have the major flood that wipes out the whole earth. <clears throat> and then we go to, we get to Abraham. When you get to Abraham, uh, again, God knew that people were still evil. So with Abraham, he decided he was going to make him a nation. He's going to start with Abraham and uh, cause a nation to come up from Father Abraham. He's going to bless Abraham, multiply him, make his seed so great it'd be like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. Uh, God gave Abraham all these promises. He also passed on those promises to Abraham's son Isaac. Told him the same thing. And then the promise was again passed on to Isaac's son, who was Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. That's where we get the 12 tribes of Israel from, Jacob's 12 sons. And in one of these sons is going to be the tribe of Judah. And that is the tribe that Jesus is going to come from. So you see the master plan working here. It's all working toward the day when Jesus is going to come and redeem us from what Adam and Eve did uh, years ago, thousands of years ago, what they did thousands of years ago, Jesus is going to come and redeem us uh, from that, redeem us from that sin. <clears throat> so Jacob's going to have 12 sons. Uh, from those 12 sons, one of the sons is going to be called Joseph. Joseph is going to be uh, sold as a slave to Egypt because his brothers were jealous of him. His father loved Joseph. So, but it's all still part of the master plan. Joseph goes to Egypt. Uh, there's a great famine in the land, and it affects the whole land, affects everybody, including Joseph's father, Jacob, 
and his other 11 brothers who are still in Canaan land. So there's going to be a famine in the land. And in this famine, uh, people are going to literally be starving to death. So Joseph, who is in Egypt now, God orchestrates it so that Joseph becomes the second in command to Pharaoh because he interpreted one of Pharaoh's dreams and Pharaoh picked him to, okay, you're so wise. I want you to be the second in command. So Joseph was elevated. His brothers meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God spiritually planted Joseph in Egypt so that he can save his family from starvation when the famine came. So the famine comes. Joseph has did what he was supposed to do, wisely put food away. Joseph ended up saving the whole country, including his family, Jacob and his 11 brothers. Jacob and his 11 brothers are sent for, they come to Egypt to live with Joseph, so they're going to starve to death. So they're given a nice, cushy land, the land of Goshen, uh, where, you know, the Jews are now, uh, the children of Israel, the Jews are now going to stay. And it's a, it's a very plush land. It was a really good land. And they had it good for a while. The Pharaoh loved Joseph because Joseph had just saved the whole world. Uh, Joseph was making him rich because people were buying grain from the Pharaoh. Uh, and when they couldn't pay for the grain any longer, then they sold their lives, you know, as, as we're going to serve you, you know, just feed us, make sure we don't starve. So Joseph made the Pharaoh rich. But after Joseph died, there was a new Pharaoh that came aboard and the new Pharaoh did not like what he saw with the children of Israel. Because it came down when Jacob and his 11 sons and his grandkids and his whole family came down, uh, there was about 70 of them. So now Joseph is dead. There's years later, Joseph has died. There's a new Pharaoh now who did not care about Joseph. And he did not like what he saw because the children of Israel were multiplying. God was blessing them. Remember God told Abraham he's gonna bless him. The children of Israel multiplying. They're getting the numbers are getting bigger and bigger. So this Pharaoh was getting a little paranoid. So he decides he wants to uh, kill them off. So he told wives to, okay, I want you to kill when you're when you're helping the the Israel uh, women have children, Israelites, the Jews, Israelites and Jews, same thing, to have children, kill the boy child. Well, the midwives were afraid to do it. They didn't do it. They feared God. God ended up blessing them because they didn't do it. But um, so since that didn't work, then he basically put out an edict that. Any and everybody could kill a boy child. You, if you come across, across an Israelite boy child, throw him in the river. So it was underneath that that um, Moses' parents hid him in the river in his own little boat. And Pharaoh's daughter found him in the river. When they found him in the river, Pharaoh's daughter raised him as her own. So here we have Moses, who's being raised in the temple. He's about 40 years old now. He knows who he is. And he sees one of his Israelite uh, brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian. Well, he feels, a, a, you know, of course, a sense of kinship. You know, hey, he's messing with my brother. So he goes and he kills the Egyptian. And when he kills the Egyptian, of course, Pharaoh is upset and Pharaoh uh, wants to kill him. So Moses has to flee for his life. He goes to Midian where he stays there for 40 years. So now Moses is 80 years old. He's in the wilderness. He's away from Egypt. And God speaks to him through the burning bush and tells him he wants him to go back and deliver his people. Moses goes back to deliver the people. And of course, you know, we have what happened. You had the Pharaoh that was refused to deliver him. You had the 10 plagues that God had to put on Egypt to get them out. You had the dividing of the Red Sea where he allowed them to cross to get away. Uh, and so after they crossed the Red Sea, they have traveled now 
We're coming up to where we are now. They have traveled now for two months and now they're at Mount Sinai and they've been camped out here at Mount Sinai for a while and they will be. They're going to end up being here at, at Mount Sinai for at least a year uh, because here at Mount Sinai, God is, he's, he's called them to be a nation because remember they went down to Egypt as 70 people. Well, when the people that left out of Egypt were 2 million people, approximately 2 million people. And so, uh, God's teaching them how to be a nation. He's giving them rules and regulations. He's giving them the Ten Commandments. He's telling Moses about the um, how to build a tabernacle because he wants to come and live amongst the people. So build a place where I can come and fellowship with my people and be in the middle of them. So that's why he's asking him to build the tabernacle. He's also telling him about the sacrifices. All these sacrifices were because God knew that the children of Israel were going to sin and mess up. So these sacrifices were supposed to cover their sin. The bulls and the goats and the sheep and whatever they offered, if they made a mistake, they could bring one of these animals to the tabernacle and offer it for their sin. And their sin would be forgiven. Their sin would be uh, covered. So this is why he wanted him to build a tabernacle, which they haven't built yet. God has given Moses these instructions. This is what Moses was getting for the 40 years, 40, I mean, sorry, the 40 days and 40 nights that he was on the mountain. So now he has been on the mountain 40 days, 40 nights, getting instructions about building the tabernacle, about the priests and how they anoint them, all these details. So now he's coming down this mountain, which brings us to where we are. And uh, we're in chapter, Exodus chapter 32 and 33. So let's just start with a word of prayer before we start reading the scripture. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God, for your master plan. We thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing us back to you. Lord God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in and be the teacher on tonight. And we're careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to give you that, that, that little recap so you know where we are. This is a continual story that we're talking about here in the Bible. Uh, talking about the journey of God's chosen people. And uh, last week we were on uh, chapters 30 and 31 of Exodus. And last week, those chapters talked about the last two pieces of furniture, the altar of incense and the, the bronze laver. And also gave specific instructions about how the tabernacle was going to be financed. And it gave uh, instructions about, uh, because it was going to be financed because every male child 20 years and up had to bring an offering to keep the tabernacle financed. And we ended up... Um, Oh, it also talked about uh, how the incense and um, the anointing oil was supposed to be made. Very specific instructions God gave them. This is how you're going to do it. If you don't do it this way, it's not going to be right. And why was he so strict? Because he's a holy God. And you have to come to him the way he wants to be uh, approached. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So we're in chapter 32. I know that was a lot, but just wanted to catch us up to where we are so we wouldn't, uh, so some of us wouldn't be lost. Amen. So we'll be right in sync with each other. Okay, so in chapter 31, after Moses has been up here 40 days and 40 nights, got some more instructions about the temp the tabernacle and who's going to be building it and uh, about Bezalel, who's anointed to and crafted to build these things. Then God gives Moses the Ten Commandments to take back down the mountain. Because actually, that's why he told him to come up to the mountain so he can give him those Ten Commandments. 
Now, mind you, in Exodus chapter 20, the people have already heard the Ten Commandments given because when they were at the foot of Mount Sinai, the first encounter they had with God, God spoke the Ten Commandments to them. So they heard them before. But now uh, God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger on two tablets and Moses is taking them down to, um, to the people. So he's coming down the mountain with these two tablets. Verse 32. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the, from, from the land of Egypt. So, so you hear the frustration in their voice. They're tired. They're tired of waiting. They're becoming impatient. So they're going to take matters in their own hand. We don't know where he's at. We don't know where Moses is. So you need to build us uh, something that we can worship. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. Now, you notice you didn't see any protest from Aaron. You never heard him say, well, wait a minute. We shouldn't be doing this. Because remember, Aaron been left in charge. Uh, when Moses went to Mount, he left Aaron and her in charge. Verse, And he says, when the people saw it, they saw that Aaron had made this molded calf. They exclaimed, oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, how many times have we heard the Lord say, I am your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And they're saying a God, this, this uh, image, this golden calf brought them out of Egypt. Verse five, Aaron saw how excited the people were. So he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced tomorrow we will, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Now, it seems to me that they're trying to mix some things here because they have they built this golden calf, which was a type of uh, which reminded them of what they saw in Egypt. When they were in Egypt all those years, the children of Israel were exposed to all this idolatry and idol worship. So they saw all this in Egypt, uh, you know, for years. This is what they were exposed to. So they built this golden calf to remind them of what they've used to in Egypt. And then Aaron says, "Okay, we're going to make an altar to the Lord." And we're going to uh, have a festival tomorrow. So it seems like they're, trying, they're kind of mixing the things. They're making their own religion, their own God. Up. But the second commandment said, thou shalt not make any graven images. So they, they have violated the second commandment by making this image. Verse 6. The people got up early and the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. Something that God was teaching them. The burnt offering and peace offerings. Uh, this after this they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan robbery <clears throat> robbery so what is that saying is that they got up and the pagans used to have sexual uh sexual games sexual intercourse in the temple they did all kind of crazy stuff so it sounds like this is what they're doing as well verse seven the lord told moses quick now remember moses was on his way getting ready to come down the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought. Remember, you catch that? Your, the people whom you brought, Moses, God is disowning them right now. You know, he's, he's a little tired of them. Whom you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. 
How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. So this is really serious. God has said, Moses, just get out the way because I'm about to wipe them out. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy them. And then I'll just start all over with you. And I'll make you a nation. Verse 11. But look how Moses answered. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. He said, oh, Lord. He said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? So Moses kind of turned it back on God. Nah, uh, these are your people and you brought them out. Not me. You know, you brought them out, Lord. Verse 12. Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from the evil intention of slaughtering them? Their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth. So in other words, he said, people are going to look at him and say, you, you saved them, but you saved them to kill them. Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are three he gave the promise to, remember? You bound yourself with an oath to them saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind <clears throat> about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. So Moses interceded for the people, and he was... Uh, he was he was he was able to change God's mind. God thought about what he was saying. Verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work, and the words on them were written by God Himself. Verse 17. When Joshua heard the, the, boister, the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. Now, now get, you have to get the setup. Uh, when Moses first went up the mountain for the 40 days, Joshua went part of the way with him. That's what it's, it's indicating here. He went part of the way with him, but Joshua stopped at a certain point and Moses went further with the Lord. So, so Joshua was, was not down there when the people were doing all this because Joshua probably would have stopped them. So he heard this noise and he thought the people were uh, in a warfare or something. It sounds like war in the camp. Verse 18. But Moses replied, no, it's not a shout of, it's not a shout of victory, nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of a celebration. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing and he burned with anger. So now Moses is getting angry. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into power, powder, threw it into the water, and forced the children of Israel or the people to drink it. Verse 21. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, 
What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? You, you notice what he did. It is, it is Aaron's fault. He left Aaron in charge. You were the leader and you allowed this to happen. As a leader, you have a responsibility. You have to be faithful to the people whether you want to or not. I don't care how much peer pressure you was under. I don't care if, you know, it was a thousands of people, you know, probably demanded for him to do this, but he knew better. Aaron knew better. Verse 22. Aaron says, don't get so upset, my Lord. Aaron replied, you yourself know how evil these people are. So he's blaming it on the people. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply, now listen how this is put. I simply threw the gold earrings into in the fire and oops, out came this calf. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's, that's the most fantastic tale I've heard. Uh, so he, the calf just made itself, according to Aaron. So what, what is he doing? He's lying. He's not telling the truth. Uh, verse 25. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amazement of their enemies. So in other words, people were watching. You know, people can see what's going on. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted. This is Moses. All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. I want you to take note of this. The Levites quickly gathered around him. And I want you to take note because we've been reading about how God has uh, said the Levites were going to be priests in his temple. So God already knew the heart of these people. God knows everything. He knows the beginning to the end. He sees everything. And so perhaps that's why he, uh, he chose the Levites because he knew they were going to stand up for him. So all the Levites gathered around Moses when he said, who's on the Lord's side, come and join me. Verse 27, Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you, talking about the Levites, take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other and kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. So they were killing people because remember, Moses just put out the call, everybody's on my side, come over here. So those that refused to come over there was obviously not on Moses' side. And the Levites were told they had to kill them. So the Levites obeyed Moses' command and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. For you obeyed him, even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. So the Levites were faithful. They were faithful and they did what they had to do. And this is why God chose them to be priests in his tabernacle. Verse 30. The next day Moses said to the people, you have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for them, for themselves. Verse 32. But now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. So I don't know if that's a man's book of life or what record that is that God had written, but he said from the record that you've written, either forgive them. If you don't forgive them, just take, just block me out as well. Verse 33. But the Lord replied to Moses, no, 
I will erase the name of everyone who has sinned against me. Okay? God is still holy. He don't play with sin. Now go. Lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they worshipped, they had worshipped the calf Aaron had made. Sin has a penalty. You're going to be punished for your sins. Just a couple things I want to bring out before we leave this chapter. Um, let's see. I want to make sure we didn't forget anything. Oh, the part where one thing I wanted to bring out was the part when they made when they actually created the golden calf. Of course, we know they broke the second commandment. But it seems like they were blending religions. They were trying to bring God into what they knew. Trying to, <clears throat> you know, God is holy, but they're trying to bring him down to their level. And what I saw in there is that we have to be careful not to bring God down to our level. You know, uh, sometimes we want to we wanna try and, and make God okay with our lifestyle. This is what, something I jotted down. Stop trying to make God okay with our lifestyle. He accepts us the way we come, come as you are. That is true, you come as you are. But we must submit to him and allow him to change us. We cannot change God. God is not going to change. We're the ones that have to change, amen? You can't uh, uh, cause God to change into the way you will. God, God knows me. He knows my lifestyle. Yeah, he knows you and he loves you, but he wants to change you. He don't want you to stay the way you are. And he's not going to uh, change himself to, to accommodate you. You have to change yourself to accommodate what God wants to bring you into. And then God knows and sees everything. He, you know, even before Moses came down the mountain, God told Moses what was going on. You can't hide anything from God. Don't even try. He knows everything. So you might as well come clean with him. I've always felt that way. There's no need to be hiding or acting like when I'm guilty, I'm guilty. God, I, here I am. I'm not running. I'm guilty. You, I know you already see me. Do whatever you need to do to cleanse me. Amen. Whatever mistakes you made. No need to run from God. Run to God. And also, um, how Moses got God to change his mind. You know, some people say, well, God doesn't change his mind. Yeah, I beg to differ with that. And a couple of uh, things that we can see where God changed his mind was Hezekiah, uh, when he was, uh, the prophet came to him and told him that he was going to die. And that was in 2 Kings, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 11. And he actually prayed and asked God for more time. God changed his mind and sent the prophet right back to him and said, well, God has changed you. You're going to, God added 15 more years to his life. God changed his mind. Another incident in the Bible where God changed his mind was when uh, the people of Nineveh, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4, the people of Nineveh was told that in 40 days they were going to be destroyed because of all their evilness. Well, Nineveh, that whole uh, that whole town, that whole, the, all those people began to cry out to God and to mourn and to repent. And God heard them and saw how they turned 
And guess what? He did not destroy them. So God can change his mind depending on our heart. You know, if we're praying, if we're repentant, he can change his mind. Uh, let's see some other things I want to mention before we leave that chapter. Excuse me. Was the, the penalty that they received. Uh, now we notice that uh, when Moses came down, and saw the golden calf, he ground it into powder, put it in water, and made them drink it. So that was one penalty they received. Another punishment they received was when uh, he told the Levites, he gave the people a chance to come to Moses, says, anybody who's on the Lord's side, come on over here with me. And the ones that didn't come with him, he told the Levites, he said, okay, you go forth and you kill everybody. That's not on the Lord's side. 3,000 people died. So 3,000 people were killed. They had to drink that bitter uh, water with the idol uh, mixture in there. And then in, chap in uh, the last part of that, in verse 35, uh, God sent a plague. The Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf. So it didn't tell us what the plague was or how many people were killed with the plague. But God's in the play. So sin has consequences. You can't just think that you can do things and get away with it and you won't have to pay for it. Sometimes the, the consequences come down the road. And we're going to see other consequences with this. Is One of them is that uh, we're going to read next week how God decided that he was not going to travel with the children of Israel. And we're going to read about that. Uh, and Moses had basically told him, well, Lord, wait a minute. If you're not going to go with us, we're not, we don't want to go. Because that's what sets us apart from everybody else is your presence. And if you don't go with us, then we're not going. So that was another one of the punishment that God says, you know, I can't even go with you. We're going to read about that next week. Because if I go with you, uh, you're so stubborn and rebellious that I'm going to I'm going to end up killing you. That is awesome. Something for God to say. That's a scary thing. But God said, I can't even be around you. Because remember, he had given Moses all this information about building a tabernacle because he wanted to come down and live amongst the people. Well, now that they created this sin, they created a graven image, they rebelled, they broke the second commandment. God, just, forget it. I'm not coming down. I'm not living with you all. I'm just, just go ahead. I'll send my angel with you. I'm not going to be with you. So that's basically what he's telling them because y'all too rebellious. So Moses, we're going to see how Moses pleads for them and gets God to change his mind. Amen. Amen. So we're going to stop there. And anyone that has not accepted Christ into your heart, you know, we're talking about sin now and the penalty of sin. Just remember that when you accept Christ into your life, you can't expect God to change. God is not going to change. He's the same. You have to change. I have to change. And he's in a changing business. And he knows just what to do to change us. How does God change us? He brings situations into your life that causes you to have to cry out to him. And he changes you. And every time you go before him, I'm a firm believer that when you go before the Lord, you don't come out the same. When you spend time in his presence, he changes your thinking. He changes your thought pattern. He changes your attitudes because that's a, he's a changing God. Amen. So we need to submit to him and allow him to change us. So if you have not accepted Christ into your heart, please go on to my channel. My YouTube channel called Read Through the Bible, Elder Linda, uh, and click on the playlist called The Sinner's Prayer, and which will explain to you why you need Jesus and it leads you to Christ. And there's also a second video on that playlist called Teaching About Salvation, uh, which gives you stricture, scriptures explaining your salvation experience. Amen. Amen. I just want to do, actually just lead you into prayer. You'll get all that information from 
uh, the YouTube channel, The Sinner's Prayer. But asking God to come in your heart is really simple. Just say, Father, forgive me for my sins. I repent of my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. You can be anywhere and pray that prayer. And he will hear you. He will come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And I will see you next week.